And so the, the Word of God has authority to move mountains in your life. But so many Christians are saying, I spoke to that mountain and it didn't move. And then they usually follow up with, you know, I didn't really believe it was going to move. Well, then of course it didn't move because you didn't approach the situation with confidence in the Word. So how we come to that place of understanding this, this Word of God is not just words on a page. This is not a novel written. This is the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, again, I just want to get this into your heart. He says, for the word of God is living. This word is alive. You can sit down. You can put it on your nightstand. You can read it as a matter of rote and just go, Pfft. or you can start to expect that this thing will come off of the page. It will drop down in your spirit, and it will begin to transform life because it is alive. It's full of power. It says it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In other words, when you start praying and supplicating or complaining or whatever before the Lord and go, God, I don't know if you know this is my situation or not. God, I'm sure you don't know what I'm going through because you would do something. It says right here, he totally knows what you're going through. There is nothing that he does not know about. So, well, then if he knows about it, why doesn't he do something? He has done something. He sent Jesus. Well, I know he sent Jesus 2,000 years ago, but what about right now? <laughs> well, if you don't know that 2,000 years ago what he did yes. applies to you right now, Amen. that's where the enemy's gaining an advantage over you. That what Jesus did was an eternal redemption. He bought your life with his own precious blood. He redeemed you from sin. And then he gave you his word. And he said, you get this word down in your heart. You get this word in your mouth. So when the enemy approaches you with a lie and a circumstance that is not true to my word, you begin to deal with that situation. He said it's quick, it's powerful. He wants it to work on different fronts. It pierces between your soul and your spirit. In other words, your spirit man is that which is alive unto God. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And they combine so easily. And the word shows up what is spirit and what is soul. He says, I want to go to the very thoughts and intents of your heart. Why? Because your thoughts and your intentions of what you mean to do. He said, I want to divide those. I want the word of God to show that up. Because if I can divide between your soul and your spirit, if I can show up for you the thoughts and the intents of your heart, I can get you to begin to take authority and capture the things that are coming against your life and hindering you on a day-to-day -day basis. Because the enemy has no right to rule over your life. He gets in to your thoughts, your imaginations, your intentions, and begins to lie to you. And once you believe that lie, you become subject to him in the circumstance. And unfortunately, believers, as believers, we, we fall prey to that. He's very subtle. He's very subtle. Right? You, can, you can go from here today, if you even take this to apply it, you go, I'm going to apply that. But somewhere midweek, you'll just enter into a conversation with somebody who's not applying it like you're applying it. And they'll start to complain about the boss. They'll start to complain about their spouse. They'll start to tell what terrible uh, situation their teenagers are in. They'll start to talk about government. And if you're not careful, just without even thinking about it, you'll be off on a conversation saying stuff that if you were to think about it, you would capture it. But because it just flows like a river, you let it go, you don't even think about it till all of a sudden you're angry. Till all of a sudden you say something like, I don't even know if my marriage is worth it anymore. Well, my kids, I just don't even know what's going on. Well, all of a sudden, how'd you get to that point? Well, you just suddenly were talking and seeing and believing something that wasn't true. And it's time that we just really see the subtlety of that and say, listen, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to 
take a hold of it. So it really begins with how we process this word of God, how we're going to really uh, bring that challenge about. And so turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Sorry, guys, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, They have my scriptures, but taking a different walk. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 20, it says, but you have not so learned Christ. Well, actually, we'll have to just go back a little bit. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. No, we won't go back that far. Just kidding. All right. All right, he's talking about this is how the world, the world walks. Start in verse 18. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the whole idea of the enemy is to blind our minds, blind anybody's mind, lest the light of the glorious gospel shine on them. Before Christ, our heart was blinded, but he says, we're not this way anymore. And this is the ignorance. You're, you, if, you, if you don't know the word of God, the enemy capitalizes on your ignorance of what God said about you, what he did through Christ Jesus, what God did in Christ for you, what he wants to do through you. Because the moment you know that, the enemy's done. When you know what Christ did for you and what he wants to do through you, what he wants to exercise through you, the enemy will have no place of authority. He'll still come, but he can't win. He goes, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus accomplished. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt, grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He said there's a way that when the word of God starts to come forth, we embrace it. And we begin to let the spirit of God renew us in the spirit of our mind. Not just our intellect, not just mentally, but let the word of God begin to resonate. Let let it begin to simmer, meditate on it, that it changes your ideology. It changes the spirit of your mind. It's not just rote. You see things differently. The word of God will help you see things differently. It will help you recognize challenges in your marriage that it's not your spouse. It's the enemy working to destroy your life together. See, we get the spirit of our mind and we start thinking, you did that on purpose. You're doing that because it's the spirit of our mind. There's no real proof to that, but your mind gets to working and the enemy gets a whole different thought process that if you intellectually said, I know that based on thus and such, you don't. It's an imagination in the spirit of your mind. But he said, you're going to have to do a renovation in the spirit of your mind. That your intention and your judgment of intentions isn't immediately on the defensive. We see what God is doing and God's able to do. We see what the enemy is able to do and we can discern that. If we can't discern that, the enemy wins. That's his whole idea is to sneak up on you, to come from a different angle, to flank you, and to destroy you because you didn't even know he was coming. He's subtle. He said, but the word of God begins to work something if we let it. If we let it. Go over to, uh, uh, where do I want to go? Uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Again, he says, do not be conformed. Don't allow the thoughts of the world. Don't allow all the things that come in the world to start to conform your thinking, your ideology, your reaction, and your emotions to be the same as the world, but be transformed, totally changed by the renewing of your mind. The renovation of your mind. So we look at the Word of God, we have to meditate on it. We have to begin to let it come, go down, not just so we can quote it, but when the enemy comes subtly and, and, and lies to us, immediately the spirit of our mind recognizes that's a lie. Instead of not recognizing it because the spirit of our mind grabs a hold of those imaginations and doesn't recognize until they're way down the line that they are contrary to the promises of God. But to recognize immediately, that is not God. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. Again, these are familiar scriptures to us. We just want to apply it here. And again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And many times when we get to the point of using, utilizing our words with authority to remove mountains, to bring situations about in our life, we think authority is the tone of voice. Did we yell loud enough? Did we be firm enough? But the authority in our voice is the confidence, the conviction that is behind what we say. The knowledge that what I'm saying is the truth about this. That that mountain is a circumstance, it's a lie in my life that's been there. And it has to be removed, utterly removed. And the only thing that will remove that lie that has been hindering my life for, for decades is to speak truth to it. And when truth is spoken to a lie, it is totally removed. So when he says, take this mountain, we're like, man, this big old thing, I'm trying to move this big old thing. And we don't even recognize that that big old thing is actually a lie, a deception of the enemy. It's not what God set up in my life. It's what the enemy set up. How did it get set up there? How did I learn to accept this mountain in my life? Because I didn't recognize it as a lie and it got bigger and bigger and bigger till now it's a circumstantial problem, but it all grew and created out of a lie, out of deception, out of that deception, me buying into it. And now, no matter what the time is, if I get into the word of God and go, oh, that's not what he planned for my life. This is what he planned for my life. I speak truth to that. And I'm going to keep speaking truth to it because when I do, it starts to go away because it's built on a lie. Come on. There's marriages in this room that you're having trouble, and it started with a lie. I know some people are like, you're darn right. He lied to me. <laughs> the enemy lied to you. <laughs> darn right, she lied to me right there. Don't take that home. Take the word of God home. Started with a lie of the enemy. Praise the Lord. He said, for though we walk, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not pertaining to the flesh. They're not how good we can out-argue you or out-hate you or out-selfish you. Out-pride you. That's not where our weapons come from. Those are carnal weapons. The enemy wins with those kind of weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. He says what that is, casting down arguments in every high thing. Somebody say every high thing. Every high 
every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, somebody say every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's something about this authority and this power. He says, you have the authority. Somebody say, I have the authority. You have the authority to capture every thought. You have the authority to take captive every thought. Well, I can't help it. I just had a thought. The thoughts are going to come. You can't help it, but you have the authority to capture the thought, to not let it run, to not let it run wild. Come on. We're going to live our Christian life like the gates were open. We're not going to let our mind run like the devil let the gate open. If you're going to let your mind run wild, let your mind run wild in imaginations of what God has done through Christ Jesus. Come on, he says right here, we have authority over that to capture those thoughts. Well, how are we going to do that? He said, you got to bring them into the knowledge. They exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. If you have no knowledge of God, they are going to eat your lunch. So Peter says it like this, everything that you and I need that pertains to life and godliness comes through the knowledge of him. Yet as believers, our Bible sits somewhere and collects dust, or we're simply, if I can get through this chapter this week, which I encourage you, be on a yearly Bible reading plan. Read through it. But at some place, stop and begin to meditate on scriptures, who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for you, the victory that is yours in Christ, and begin to meditate on it so when you realize, like, I can't overcome this. Oops, I'm taking that thought captive because he said I can overcome this. Instead of just being oblivious to that thought and thinking that it's coming to you and you can't help it, you realize, I know where that thought came from. It's contrary to what I know about God. And so it's time to take authority over it, capture it, throw it down, beat it to death, shoot it till it's dead, and replace it with the knowledge of God. I don't know what to do about it. That's why we're trying to tell you, you've got to get into the Word. Amen. Don't start in Genesis. Go to the book of John. Learn about who Jesus is. Go to Ephesians and find out who you are in Christ, who you are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's provided for you. Start somewhere where you get that built up before you just start in Genesis and get bored because you're reading the immediate gene genealogy. When you know who you are, when Jesus is, then you can look back and say, wow, this is how all this happened. Get some word that you can grab onto to know him, to know yourself in him, what he's done for you. So when a thought comes contrary to that, wow, the flu's coming to town. Did you know the flu's coming to town? Not to my town, not to my house. No sickness or plague will come near my dwelling place in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth but on the basis of the blood that was shed. He took my infirmity. He bore my sickness. I resist that thought before it ever gets here that it's coming to my house. I resist it. How do you resist it? The word of God says it doesn't have to come to my house. See how subtle it is? Let's prepare. It's flu season. Prepare for the flu. Well, not pastor. That's only wisdom. Have you never gotten the flu? I mean, it's wisdom. See how subtle that is? Wisdom will get you to prepare to receive something that Jesus paid for you not to have. It's subtle, and then we accept it. Sin, it comes the same way. It doesn't matter. I mean, people have done this all along. I mean, this isn't a big sin. This is a little sin. I mean, it's no big deal if you don't forgive that person. I mean, they hurt you. People get away. Listen, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, it's sin. He just comes subtly. Yeah, you don't have to do that. 
And we accept it. We're just like, okay, there's something on the inside from the word of God that said, you know what? I should forgive or I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't say that. And then all of a sudden this voice, this thought comes, says you can. Look at everyone else. Look at the ideology of the world. Look what other people are doing. Look at what they've done to you. They've done that. They don't seem any worse for wear. It doesn't make a difference, but it does make a difference. They are worse for wear. You just can't see it. They're being defeated by the enemy, and we don't want that. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How do we get to this place where we can even speak it? We have to deal with the challenges and know that the word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When we start to look at this word, we begin to look into places that deal with what we're, 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 we think we're confronted with and say, this is the truth of what God said about that. And this is the core. And it starts to show up stuff that you didn't know. In other words, he may say, you know why you're having that problem? You know where the entrance of the enemy is? is in that it's through unforgiveness well then we want to put that down and go no don't want to deal with that well then the enemy will run roughshod over your life you know why you're having that difficulty because you won't keep your mouth shut about that situation get thee behind me Satan it shows up why to make you feel bad no, to give you a power, power to speak in the name of Jesus, to obey. I won't say that anymore. I'll say this. I will forgive. I won't hold that. I will extend myself in generosity. I will rejoice. God, why am I having this problem? He says, why don't you just rejoice? I don't feel like rejoicing. That's a thought of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to rejoice. God wants you to rejoice. Amen. Says, so you know why you're having that physical problem? Because you're filled with anxiety and stress. Come to me and pray so that my peace can overwhelm you. Well, I don't even see how that's going to work. We have to meditate on the word of God. I'm just trying to be practical with you. I'm running out of time. These are things that just bombard us every day in our thought life. And you're not going to get over it until you understand the authority of God's word and quit rationalizing why that might not help you when you're struggling in your own thought life to get over something. You're worrying. You hold offense. You have trouble in your marriage. You're having trouble with your kids. You're having trouble with your boss. You're having trouble with everybody. If you're having trouble with everybody, you might stop and look in the mirror. I mean, there are cases where everybody else is wrong, usually in my life. But there's only a few of us who are right every time. <laughs> I'm just joking. I could have used you, but then it wouldn't have been funny. <clears throat> Come on. This is just stuff you're going to deal with. When you walk out of this, my role, my job is to equip you. When you walk out of here... Even right now, the devil's bombarding your mind with stuff I'm saying right now. And some of you say, I don't know what to do. And part of that is because you don't know what God has said about it. There's authority to overcome in the book. Amen. And once we get it down in our heart, as he said in Romans chapter 10, it's in your heart and in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. How's it coming out of your mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have a number of different guidelines that God gave us, which are amazing if we pay attention. Because the enemy's subtle, but God's not that subtle. God said, meditate on the book. Get it in your heart. Well, how do I know if I got it in my heart? Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Well, I didn't really, that's not really what's in my heart. I just said it. Well, that's not what God said. He said, if it's coming out your mouth, it's time to check your heart. Wow, I got different stuff in my heart. How did that get there? Because even while you were sowing the word, while you were coming to church, and I'm sowing the word, and you're reading, sowing the word, the enemy, Jesus told us this. He said, the enemy will come and sow tares. 
When, you, when you're sleeping, he'll sow tears. He'll sow thoughts contrary to the word of God. He said, once they start to grow, don't just pluck up everything. He said, you're going to have to wait and separate the thoughts. Separate what's planted. So it doesn't continue. Those tears don't continue. But he's subtle. You don't know how they got there. He came in while you weren't paying attention and started to plant thoughts. That's why we capture them right at their inception. We have to be at least as smart as the enemy. I'm so far off track with my notes. I got to find somewhere to like. <laughs> we have to be as smart as the enemy. All right, I'm going to close with this. And five other scriptures. No. <clears throat> okay. So listen, here's what the enemy does. Just think about this for a moment. Just, just pause and think about this. I'm so in the word right now. The Bible tells us this. If he can immediately, immediately, he will come to steal this word. Immediately. Yet we as Christians, when he sows a word or a thought, wait a while. Wonder why he gets authority. He immediately deals with you about the word of God to steal it. Man, if we'd recognize a thought and immediately get that out. Not go, let me think about it. You know, if I just don't forgive them, I'll show them. Maybe that'll work. Don't even give that a thought. You know holding an offense. You know being angry. You know not giving of yourself. Well, you know, I don't feel like rejoicing. I'm just going to be upset for a little while. Why? Because I want to. No, you don't. Don't tell me what to do. Listen, the life of God dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when it's like, you know, I don't feel like rejoicing, you just cast that down and said, you know what? I'm just going to rejoice and praise God. The enemy hates that. That's why he's saying, don't do it till you feel like it. Because in the time that you're fee not feeling like it, he's going to start working an imagination that will take you somewhere else. So you'll never get to rejoicing. Listen, if he can't get it immediately, he waits. And because of the word, he starts bombarding you persecution. Come on, if you wait a little while, then it's time to say, listen, I'm not taking that thought. I'm pounding that thought with the Word of God. Because the enemy got, got it for a day, I'm taking and I'm extra hammering that thought with the Word of God. He said, listen, if it doesn't get to that point, then Listen, there's a place where the, the, the desire for other things will choke the word out. There's going to be a place where my desire becomes God's desire, and I'm choking this lie of the enemy out in my life. Because if you don't, it will set down that lie, and it will produce fruit. Come on, it's a principle in the world. If you receive the lie of the enemy into your heart, it will produce fruit. If you receive the word of God into your heart, it will produce fruit. There's a method of receiving in God's kingdom, but the enemy knows that. If we'd be just as strong to say immediately, I'm taking that lie of the enemy and I'm getting rid of it. And if I recognize I didn't get it immediately, then I'm going to hammer that thing. And if, it, if I don't get it, it starts to grow. I'm going to choke that thing out. I'm going to get my desires right with the Word of God. I am going to take authority with God's Word over the lie of the enemy. So it does not produce in my life in my marriage, in my business, in my emotions, in my health. I'm not letting that lie kill, steal, and destroy anymore in my life. But the Word is truth. The Word is life. He's given me life more abundantly. He's given me His Word and that I can meditate on it and I can apply that Word with my words. I speak 
to the mountains. I speak to the sycamine trees. I speak into my marriage. I speak to my body. I speak to my emotions as one who has authority to change them. Come on, I've tried it before. I've tried to change my wife's emotions. And I can do a little bit. But she'll tell you. She's got to speak to the situation. I mean, I can stand on my head. I can do all kinds of funny things. But as soon as I'm done being funny, we're back to where we were. It's beginning to rain. (laughs) And the same. She may try to get me in a position she knows I need to be in. And she may try the best that she can. She can pray for me. She can speak to it. But when I speak to it, in my life with confidence that I'm speaking the word of God and that word is backed by the name of Jesus and all he's done. And I have a right to do it because of the blood that's been shed. Praise the Lord. We'll get to my notes next week. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, we got this church. We just have to apply it. We have to be doers of the word. We have to recognize. We have to be alert. We have an adversary. He's the devil. He's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's seeking. He's he's prowling. He's listening to our words. He's watching how we're responding to thoughts. He's making up a strategy based on how he's lurking. And if we don't give him any place, if we resist him steadfast in the faith, he can't devour us. He does not have the right. We belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to us. We reign in life over the strategies of the enemy with him. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and we glorify you. Thank you for your word. It's truth and it's life. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to deal with every heart and every life that we might be more sensitive to you than we have been knowing that the times that we're in right now are different times. They're uncertain times, times where it may look like the enemy is gaining advantage. But you have given us the advantage that we need to overcome it. Lead us, guide us, and teach us, I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As we're talking about this authority, you begin in a place of authority. You begin to be able to speak his word into situations of life. When you become born again, you end up being born of the Spirit. The Bible says that when any man that be in Christ becomes a new creation, old things, the sin, the mistakes, the sin that bounds you, old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new and now everything is of God who reconciled it to himself forgave our sin so we could be in relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, we have power and authority over the strategies of the enemy, but it begins in taking authority over the old nature and giving it to Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And he is the Lord of our life. Then he delegates authority as Lord, as master to us with him, not apart from him to exercise authority over the strategies of the enemy that would seek to hold our life in check from fulfilling God's word. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to pray with you a simple prayer to ask him into your life, to be the Lord of your life. It'll be the best day that you ever had. If you don't know him, I, I ask you this morning with all of my heart, today is the day of salvation. Don't walk out of here knowing you need Jesus and not accepting him as your Lord and Savior. You'll begin on a journey that your new life in Christ is so much different. That as you learn in him, you get his word in your heart, you get to know him and his loving kindness. You become more confident in the life and the destiny that you have. If you're here this morning, don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. 
Don't want to leave just in case there's someone you need Jesus. Anybody at all? Praise the Lord. Well, since I can't see into the live stream, if you're on live stream and you need Jesus, we're all going to pray together. Why don't you all just join with me? Let's pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning and I'm ready to lay my way of doing things down. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And today, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and that God raised you from the dead so that I could be justified, forgiven, and made righteous. Thank you for saving my life and for giving my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, just ask you to go on to our website to share your story. Let us know you prayed that prayer. We want to give you just a, a little gift, send that to you, that, many books that will help you uh, begin your life in Christ on a journey with him through his promises and able to take authority over the enemy. Praise the Lord. Say so as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.